You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 104. Today, my guest is Wendy Corner, and Wendy is going to talk to us about how to have an effective sales conversation. So welcome, Wendy. Hello, Kathy. So glad to be here. So, Wendy, can you tell us the two-minute story of who you are and why you'd like to be here? Okay, who am I? Well, let's see. I'm a Brit from all over the place in the UK, been in Australia for seven years now, just over seven years, Uh, a citizen for the last two years as of yesterday. And uh, yes, that was really exciting. So I'm here to stay. I have a background in speech pathology, having worked as a speechy for well over 25 years. So I bring my clinical experience now into the business realm in terms of working with people to maximise their communication skills so they are effective communicators with their audience. I work with TEDx mentor, uh, TEDx speakers as well as business people. So that's me in a nutshell. And gosh, I think I've done that well under two minutes. Excellent. Well done, you. Yes, effective communication is definitely something we need to be looking at as business owners and founders and something I think that people get afraid of a lot is sales and having sales conversations. So what would be some tips that you could give to business owners about having those more effective sales conversations? Well, the first thing is know who you're talking to. Who is your ideal client? And it's they who you're falling in love with, not your product or service, because your product and service will have to change over time. Cast your mind back 12 months. We were in a very different world this time last year, and we knew where we were going. We had our marketing sorted out. We had our funnels organized. And then the world changed. So Very quickly. Exactly. And moment by moment. I mean, how many times did you turn on the news one time, one time at morning at lunchtime? It had changed from the morning. And by tea time, it had changed again. What was going on? There was so much change, so much um, energy going on, and, and particularly around the, the fear factor. But it meant that we had to reevaluate what we were doing. So anybody who was in a bricks and mortar business suddenly was faced with lockdown. What were they going to do? Anybody who was used to doing face-to-face events, what were they going to do? That wonderful word pivot came in last year. Between pivot and unprecedented times, if I'd got a dollar for each time I heard that last year, I would be rolling in it. My point being, if you know who your ideal client is, you fall in love with them, you fall in love with meeting their needs, where they're at where where they're itching, if you like. And then if you need to change your product, you need to change how you're doing delivering your service, you can, because it's the person that you're serving, not your product that you're married to. Does that I think that's very good tip, particularly with people in hospitality, Mm. because food and dining in was their product. 
but their customers, of course, were a, a certain type of like a couple or whatever, and some of them pivoted quite well and then were able to offer that same food or similar food as takeaway, whereas others just went, no, we can't do that and completely shut their doors. And then it was a case of how long is that going to be for and all of those sort of things. So, yes, definitely knowing who your person is, your ideal person, Mm -hmm. and then looking at your delivery method second is a great tip. So I love that. Mm. And actually picking up on your point there, how some people were prepared to, to pivot and others weren't, that again is down to communication in your head. What are you telling yourself? What is your internal Q&A? Because we think in terms of language. Now, I can geek out on communication all day, every day. But the, the, my point is, if you tell yourself, I can't, you're right. You won't be able to. But if you tell yourself, I can, I may not be able to see quite how to do it at the moment, but I can do it. Then you will have that, that mindset. I hate the word mindset because it sounds as though you are set in stone that mindscape, if you will, that you can you can think, right, I know I'm going to point B. I'm at point A. Sorry on the podcast, I'm, I'm using my fingers here. I gesture a lot. But you can imagine in your head, point A is where you are now, point B is where you're going to. And how you get there may not be direct. And certainly in COVID times, it has not been direct. But if you tell yourself you cannot get from A to B, then you won't. If you say to yourself, I can get to B, I may not make the most direct route. We may take the scenic route, but I can get there. And I think that's what we do when we're looking at travelling, isn't it? Particularly if we're looking at going across town, for instance, we think, okay, I'm getting in my car and I need to go to this particular shop for business. And then you work out how to get there. You don't think I'm getting in my car, I'm going to turn right, turn left, and now where am I going? You work out your destination first before you work out the journey that you're going to take. Well, they suddenly thrown up a one-way street if you're going to a city that you used to know very well, but now it's changed. So that's where you need to work your way around. But if you know where you're going and you've got the intent, your intention is you are going to get there, then you will find the way. But it's down to that internal language as well, which is really crucial. And this is something I work with my clients because what they come out with the external language is a clue to what's going on inside. And sometimes I'll pick them up on their language and go, did you mean that? So that's, that's just a little something to be aware of. Your internal language is just as important as your external language, because if you don't get that right, you won't be able to language what you do to other people. Because if you don't believe yourself, you're not going to be able to show people that what you do is really good. So often that's the case, isn't it? We say these things without realising that we're actually doing that self-talk. And that impression to the outside world, often we use a a lot of words or phrases over and over. And then when people pick you up on it, you go, oh, I didn't actually realise I I did that. And yeah, then it gives the impression that maybe you don't know as much as you need to for that product or service, or you're not the expert in that realm. Whereas you might actually be exceptionally good at it with years of experience, but it's that self-talk, that internal language that's then making your external image not as good as it could be. Exactly. And that's where we're um, coming on to the, the thoughts of brand language. If you, if you have particular phrases that you use that are known to be around you and your brand, that's another way that you can, you can use your language skills. 
So decide what it is. How would uh, a, a really good description of what you do be able to be, be part of your sales conversations? For case in point, we, we have our, our mental images. If, if You know, classically, you go to a networking meeting and somebody says, what do you do? And you give yourself a label. Now, if you say you're a builder, the person you're talking to has just had the most awful experience of a builder. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. It went well over time. The budget blew, da, 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 da. They are coming to the conversation with you with all of those filters, those sticky labels, if you like, unreliable, overexpensive, da, 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 da. And they're coming to you with that mental map. If you then say, oh, I'm a builder, immediately they're going into that picture, what you do and who you are. And it's that identity with your product. Whereas if you can say, for instance, um, I build your dreams. Oh, well, that's going to be a pattern interrupt for one thing, because the person is expecting to hear a label. And now you've tweaked interest. What do you mean? You've opened up the conversation and you then can go from there to get more information going. What? Tell me what, what would be your ideal building or whatever, if this is your ideal client. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a novel way of doing things, but it stops that mental picture that somebody comes to you if you give yourself a label. Yes, absolutely. And we all do have those preconceived ideas already before we meet the people. And yes, oh, you're an accountant. I've got one of them. Move on. So I actually, in my other business, Catco Enterprises, I call myself the attraction maven. And that suddenly becomes, oh, what's that? Right. And then, yeah, the conversation definitely starts there. So I've done a lot of work on that one in the past because just being a web designer, they go, oh, yeah, sisters, yeah. aunts, girlfriend can do that or um, know somebody who does that or don't even get past that first conversation. So, yes, definitely in sales conversations, sometimes you just need to be that little bit different. Absolutely, absolutely. And be creative with it as well. You're tweaking interest because getting back to the sales conversations, the best sales conversations are when you just ask strategic questions and you let the other person do all the talking. Now, you might think, well, hang on a minute. I'm the one who's I'm the one who's selling here. Well, you are. But unless you know what the other person wants, unless you know their needs, their desires, their drivers, what's going to fulfill their need. How can you then language what you do to meet that need? So you ask those strategic questions. And if you've got your ideal client in mind, then you know the sort of questions that you want to ask. You have them pre-prepared. You've got a list of them that you can pull on. And OK, it's not a script as such, but it could be a case of going back to the builder, for instance. Are you happy with, with the accommodation you're in now? Oh, no. Have you ever thought of building something purpose-built? No. Have you ever explored the finance that would be necessary? No. I wonder if you would get more for what you want that would be so clearly um, tailor-made for your, your actual work if it, was, if it was a bespoke building. Have you considered that? No. You build in strategic questions that keep giving a no reaction then they're stopping thinking, well, hang on, am I happy with where I'm at? No. And you preset that the no, 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 no. Well, would you consider thinking about it? 
should we explore it? And then you've potentially got the, well, okay, you, you've poked my bruise and I, and I want to see if, where this is going. Okay, let's have a chat. So that's another way of, of successfully opening up a conversation. But again, it requires that you know who you're talking to, you read them as well. So you read their body language and then you take it from there. Yes, that's very true. And especially asking the questions because we all go in with our product thinking, okay, Wendy needs my product A. But Wendy's actually got this whole different idea of what she actually needs. So if you're not asking those questions, and of course, everybody likes to talk about themselves. So getting them talking and answering your questions is already building that rapport. So we're we're over hurdle number one. And of course, people don't actually like to be sold to. They like to buy. So Mm -hmm. if you've then been able to ask those questions, get them in the frame of mind and then give your product that actually answers those questions, they're now buying, not being sold to. Absolutely. Because if you're listening acutely enough, you will pick up on the language that they're using to describe their pain. That is then the language you use back to them. Because if they then hear their exact words being spoken back to them, then you get me. Yeah. And the knowability, likability, trustability factor has just gone through the roof because you have taken that time to listen very carefully, reflect back their exact words. And that will also give you, if if you're talking to your ideal client at that particular moment in time, that will also give you valuable data. Keep a bank of the way people describe things. Use those words in your copy. If you're not actually having a physical face-to-face or even Zoom conversation, if you're looking at your marketing copy, those words are golden because, again, you are using your ideal client's words to them. They get me. Whoa, yes, you're almost home with that one. Yes, and using their language and the way they language makes such a big difference because, like you say, then you get me, you understand me, you know what my problems are, so therefore your solution must be for me. Exactly, exactly. All about using your ears more than you're using your mouth. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. You got it. (laughs) All right, we're asking the right questions, we're listening to their language Mm -hmm. and we're making sure that we're finding out what their pain points are. What should we be doing now? As you're coming into a conversation, you're going in there with a purpose, being clear about your purpose for this conversation. Is it to gather information? Is it to sell? Because whatever you are going into that conversation with, it may be an initial meeting, it may be a follow-up meeting, it may be an absolute, we're getting to decision time here. If you go in with a purpose, if you've already got that in mind, that will affect how you, the energy that you're taking into the conversation anyway. And that will will also um sort in your head what you're doing, give your language in, in the right order, if you will. So the first thing you're thinking of is your purpose. Then you need to be aware of the people you're talking to. Absolutely, you need to be aware of the pain, the game. So where are their pain points? Where do they want to go to? What's the language that you're going to be using around that? Then you're going to think about the power of your voice in how you are projecting you. When you're talking, does it tend to be a bit monotonous? Because if it's all on the same level at the one time, then it can get a bit um, zone out. Oh, hello. So-and-so's just walked through the door. We are hardwired for novelty. So if 
and, and I'm sure your your listeners have, if they haven't experienced having children themselves, they will know the, the situation. You're rocking a baby to sleep and you've just got them off and you stop rocking and suddenly they wake up because that movement has stopped. We are hardwired from birth for novelty. The same goes with sound. So if you're talking constantly, 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 people can zone out. So that's where you pause. On a podcast, it's work. It's awful. Radio silence. No, 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 no. This is horrible. But in when you're con- having a conversation, those pauses are super powerful. And you've got what we call the pre-pause and the post-pause. The pre-pause is when what comes next is really important. And you've just got that gap there to bring people's attention back to if they were zoned out or whatever. They're back in because there's that novelty there. The post-pause, oh, oh and by the way, if you're ever doing a talk, you've, you're, you've memorised it and you forget your way. That pause has been scientifically proven that the longer it goes on, the more intelligent you sound. How cool is that? <laughs> as, long as, you, as long as you also then develop the, the thinking look, that you're just looking for that perfect word, but you do need to have a decent word after it because if what comes next is a bit naff, then you've lost it. Anyway, so that's the pre-pause. Then the post-pause is if you've said something really profound and that's the way to get all the clients you ever wanted. Drop the mic moment. And then you can go on with something else. So pausing is really important. Uh, another thing you can do with your voice, I mentioned about the monotony. So you can have vocal color. You can have the, the, the melody going up and down so that you draw people's interest in. Think back to when you had a teacher at school who was just simply almost Dalek-like. How boring was that? You just... Yeah, you didn't pay any attention. So melody, pausing are important. Now, this is something that is really important, which as a Brit, I can say to Aussies as an observation. When you're yarning, it's great that you can go up at the ends of your phrases because that's kind of appropriate. However, when you're in a sales situation, um, it can sound a bit weak and a bit apologetic. What you're really after there is the down, the command tone. So that's why it's important that you listen to what I'm saying. Do you hear the difference? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, again, I can say that as a Brit because we were introduced to this, oh, jinx, when I was back at university in linguistics and it was known as the Bondi lift. (laughs) And, yes, we all do do it. We get a bit excited and push it up at the end. And it's interesting about the pauses too because we all get a bit uncomfortable with that silence and when the customer or potential customer pauses, we feel that we have to fill it. Whereas if we just shut up and stay put, often they're doing the thinking, they're processing what you've said. This is not the time to be filling that space. Absolutely. And in that space, if you're looking at them intently and just with a smile, so you're not boring their eyes out. Going, oh, come on, come on, give me an answer, give me an answer. It's just that, yeah, I'm with you. I know you're thinking about this. This is worth thinking about, isn't it? And you're giving off that vibe because so much of, of how we how we communicate is at a nonverbal level. I mean, all the stuff I've told you about voice work, that's all at a nonverbal level. 
But there's a set of statistics that are, are very often bandied around in terms of how much we convey our message. 7% with words, 38% with our voice and 55% with our bodies. That particular study was specifically around how we convey emotion. And if you go onto Morabian's website, he's at pains to point out, do not quote me unless you're talking about emotion. Okay, those specific numbers may not be deadly accurate, but that sort of proportion is roughly a, a good benchmark. So what you're saying, if, if you get so hung up on the exact words, whilst language is super important, and we've already explained about that so that you are you're using the language of the person that um, you're talking to. How you're saying it is just as important. Are you present with them? That's one of my other P's. Moving on, so we've got the power of the voice. We've also got the physiology. I talked about your, your body language. How are you using your face, your eyes, your hands? How many of us are on Zoom calls at the moment? And if we're used to gesturing and you gesture down here, you're going to miss it all. So you have to start thinking about where is your camera? If you're gesturing, showing the size of what you're doing, then it has to be at eye level. Otherwise, the person's not going to see. Just a few little things around that. That's a great point because, yes, a lot of us do gesture, but we're not thinking, I'm now holding my hands up in the air so when you can see them, uh, you're not thinking about making sure that they are above that camera level. And as we are now doing sales calls on Zoom, we need to be able to do that so that people can see I am pointing at you, waving my finger intently or probably not a, a good example because we don't really want to be pointing at people, but um, making sure that, them. You're inviting yes. Them. yes, making sure that we are doing those gestures uh, above the desk and above the camera level so that it is all part of that Zoom experience. And thinking about Zoom too is thinking about your backgrounds and your environment. If you were doing a face-to-face -face sales conversation, you would make sure that the table was set right and there was a chair and maybe a glass of water and that sort of thing. But we don't always think about our backgrounds and the noise level and other things we've got while we're doing Zoom. So our new modern sales conversations, we need to be thinking of those things too. Absolutely. And thinking about the Zoom thing as well is being aware of where the camera is. Now, if you're on a one-to-one -one like we are now, we are, again, going back to the evolutionary hardwiring, hard we are hardwired for faces. So I'm looking at you over here. I'm not looking at you in the camera. Now, if you end up doing a webinar, it's really important to think rather than looking at the individual faces, you're after eye contact. So that's where you look at the camera. It may be that you need to change the height of your chair so that the camera is not, you're not either looking up at it or looking down on it. And when he's doing a beautiful imitation of all I can see is her chin and nothing else. <laughs> um, the other thing is if you're doing any of your sales calls on phones, where is the camera? iPhones are notorious for this one because the camera is at the top on one side. Now, if you are looking at the face, as I said, we're hardwired for looking at faces. It ends up that, that you're looking over to one side and, and the person on the other end is going, hello, I'm here, I'm here. So be aware of where the camera is and focus your, your mind on the camera. Now, that then means that you can be a bit tricky with picking up on their body language, on their facial expressions. So go between them. Because the other thing is, if you were face to face with somebody, you wouldn't actually be staring in their eyes all the time anyway. 
Otherwise, that can get a bit intense and it can be a bit ooh, uncomfortable. So you do the, the look away. So you could do, you can afford to do that on a one-to-one call, looking straight at the camera and looking at the photo of the person, the, the image of the other person. So just a couple of things to be aware of there because your camera is your eye contact. So just be aware Absolutely. of that. And I think that's where people do come unstuck because if they're on a, a big group thing, you'll see that people are looking very bored and uninteresting because, yeah, they are looking down or up or around and it is just the fact that they're trying to see everybody else on the call as well. So you just do need to remember, particularly if you're the presenter and doing a, a group sales call about where you are looking and what's happening in that call as well so that the other people on the call are not distracted. So in that situation, it might be a case that they can only see you as the presenter and making sure that they can't see all the other people who are playing on their phones and doing other things instead of listening to you. I know. I mean, the number of times I've been on um, group calls and somebody's had a phone call and they're clearly talking on their phone while somebody's presenting and the rest of us can see that they're talking. Okay, they're muted. But, you know, at that point, turn the camera off. You wouldn't do it in person. And as you said earlier on, you've got to think about the, the Zoom calls now as being the equivalent of having that person face to face. What you wouldn't do face to face, you don't do over Zoom either. And I think that's becoming the new etiquette is because a lot of people weren't used to Zoom and Skype and all the other variations of StreamYard and all those things, is we're treating them as a novelty. But now that it's becoming an actual business tool and it is becoming the norm for a lot of people because a lot of our Canadian and American listeners are are still in semi-lockdown and some of the European people and England, of course, as well. It is the way that they have to do business. So you do need to think about those etiquettes along those lines as well. And, yeah, be present in your actual conversations. Yes, because presence is one of the other things I was going on to say is I have seven P's, seven pillars of influential communication. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about the people. We've talked about the pain and gain. We've talked about the power of your voice. We've talked about the physiology as much as you can from here up, chest up, So be animated, really get people's attention, because if you are in that group call, the other thing is, again, sort of hardwired for novelty. If you're in a group call and you've got the gallery view there, somebody scratches their nose and you look at it. Somebody does something and you look at it and your eyes are darting all over the place, which is why if you've had a whole stream of group calls, you are exhausted because it's net fatigue, basically. Zoom fatigue, that's it. They've even coined a term zoom fatigue so if you find that just take a break away from the screen you need that screen break just as much as you need to actually get up and and move your body around so yeah that's something else to bear in mind so physiology where do we get to performance bringing it all together to being congruent in what you're saying is your energy is what you're saying the actual words the, the the way you're saying it with the power of your voice with what you're doing with your hands what you're doing with your body Is it all congruent? Because if there's even a hint that something's not quite right, it may not be at a conscious level, but at a subconscious level, the other person's going to go, yeah, no, I don't trust them. And you've lost it. So everything has to be congruent. And that starts with your internal language right way back at the beginning. So make sure that you are clearly guarding what you're saying to yourself. And then you can move into to talking to other people. 
And that's becoming more and more apparent and needed, isn't it, because of our digital space where we're not getting that that physical interaction. We're only getting it via a screen. So we're missing some of the physiology, even though we are able to see them. So yes, that one little thing that's not quite there. And suddenly, like you say, you've lost the the whole half an hour presentation or Mm. whatever it's been. So we do need to guard our mind very carefully. Even if you're turning up to doing a presentation where your top half is all professional, but the bottom half is still in your jammies, that I would suggest will come out. There'll be that level of mismatch there. Just as I said, turning up to a sales conversation on Zoom is no different from going there in person and you wouldn't wear a a, a suit top and your pyjamas underneath. (laughs) I would hope not. Well, put it this way, uh, I think somebody would be very concerned about your mental health if you did. (laughs) Um, So if you turned up to a a Zoom thing, but as you said, being aware of what else is around you in your environment. I've been on calls where people have forgotten that they've got a a bookshelf behind them. Bookshelves are wonderful. But you often get people scanning the titles rather than listening to you. And there was a wonderful screenshot of Boris Johnson doing a press conference and he was in a university and whoever who had the university person who had organized this had strategically put titles that were really taking the Michael. And it was wonderful to see because it, it then went viral, of course, from tweets and things. But my point is, be careful of what's behind you. you you've already mentioned this, Kathy, that I've seen some sessions where there have been clients files in a, in a, um, in a bookshelf behind with the names on the spines. Oh, dear. Yes. So serious confidentiality breach on that one. It's just being aware that that camera is going to see quite a lot. If you do have a cat, it can be fun to see the tail go in front of the camera. But believe me, that will distract. And especially the 15th time the cat has climbed across the the keyboard. Little things. You wouldn't take your cat to work. Perfect. Okay. Can you recap on your seven Ps for us, please? I can. We have purpose. What is the point of this conversation? Know what you're going in there with your end in mind. So is this a sales conversation that I am there to give information? I am there to get information. I am there to close the deal. What is the end point that you're going for? So that's your purpose. Then you know who you're talking to, your ideal client, or in fact, the person in front of you, if they're not your ideal client. What is it that makes them tick? What is it that they are really needing? What's the language that they're going to be using? That's why that's key that you need to know the person. Their pain points. What is it that they are struggling with? Where do they want to get to? So their pain, their gain, and therefore you can language how they're going to go from where they're at to where they want to be over the bridge of your solution, the power of your voice, how you're using your voice to be engaging and useful and exciting because you want to work with you. You want to work with somebody who's dynamic, don't you? Use your voice, power. Then you've got the physiology, making sure that you are using as much of your body as is is clear, hands up by your face if you're gesturing, making the most of your facial expression, your eye contact with the camera, and looking away and just being aware of where your eyes are at. And from that, also thinking about the the physical um, environment that you're in. You're looking then at your presence. Again, that goes back to the environment and making sure that you are spending time clearly connecting with them through the camera, 
but also having those fleeting moments away so that you're not intensely boring into their eyes. And then the performance of bringing it all together. When you are congruent, when your whole communication, body, mind, soul, the whole thing goes together, then who wouldn't want to buy from you? Because you've just spoken directly to me. You know me. You, you understand me. I like you. I trust you. Shut up and where can I give you the money? And I think that's another thing that we do too is we either don't ask for the sale at the end or when we do, then we faff around so much that we almost talk them out of it. So sometimes that's the point where we need to be silent as well and just let them buy. Definitely. If you've got a product, ideally you've got two alternatives. You've got really good names for them, sexy names, not just section A or section B. No, come on, something really snazzy. Look at cars. They're never called a saloon or a, um, a station wagon, are they? They've always got some, some name. You need to come up with a name that's going to be attractive. And then you have a package and you're going to sh- say, give the alternatives. And then you're going to go, so which one, which one resonates more with you? You're seeding it that they're going to go for one of them. And then you just sit back and wait and shut up. (laughs) And on that note, I think that is the perfect conclusion to this part of the podcast. So, Wendy, if people would like to know more about you, how can they contact you? Comcoach, C-O-M-M-C-O-A-C-H. The website is still under construction because I'm busy at it at the moment. So you can catch me on Facebook. You can catch me at Wendy Corner on LinkedIn. Either of those two are your safest bet. But comcoach at corner.net.au is my email address. And I'm sure we can pop that in the, the podcast. Show notes, we certainly can. No. And at this stage, we go to the final five where I get to ask you five final questions. Ooh. Are you game? Oh, oh, go for it. <laughs> A language professional. And now I'm going to use some language on you. Okay, what is the best advice given to you by a mentor? Know who you're talking to. Lovely. What is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? Oh, that's a good one. And we have that thinking look with that pause. Mm, mm, Definitely. I think the, the biggest help I've had was to look at how to create a funnel, how to strategically think your way through where you're starting somebody off and the, the touch points of, yeah, yeah, the flow, if you will. The buyer's journey. Yes, that's the word. What is the one thing that you have to do every day, your non-negotiable? My non-negotiable for me personally is some meditation because without that start of quiet, I'm not able to, to handle the buzz of the rest of the day. So, yeah, that's my non-negotiable. Fantastic. What is your favourite business book and why? I think The One Thing. The One Thing? I love The One Thing. Because it it, it really brings you back to no matter what's going on, what's the one thing I can do right now that by doing that will negate or make easier all the other things I've got to do? What's my domino, my lead domino before I go on? Perfect. And if you don't get anything else done today, as long as you do your one thing first, it's a good day. Lovely. And our final question is, what do you wish you had known when you started out? That I, that I can do this, that it is possible, it is probable, just go and do it and believe in yourself, I think. Absolutely. And that goes all back to I can, I can, I can, rather mm-hmm. than I can't, I shouldn't, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So an absolutely wonderful way to end this podcast. 
So thank you so much, Wendy. We have lots of very valuable tips for people, especially on using of Zoom. I hadn't anticipated that that was where this conversation would go, but I'm very pleased that it did. And it's probably very timely for a lot of people. So really appreciate that we were able to have this chat and bring up those points for people to look at, think about and make sure that they are using. So thank you very much, Wendy. You're so welcome. Thanks, Kathy. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.